Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and news of this pod is noised abroad. Today we're talking about Jesus through John the Baptist's eyes, but before we put on our very best camel hair robes and dip our grasshoppers in wild honey, now that they've finished handing out instructions, let's see if these are the hosts we've been looking for, if we need to keep looking for someone else. Welcome in Meredith Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. <laughs> and Tim's here. Hey, Tim. Hey, hey. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Welcome back. You know, the best part is that I can tell you've at least listened to the sermon. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I gotta I gotta say you you had a you had a plethora yeah. of, of information to pull from. For and that you intro. hit all the major points yeah. just in that intro. Yeah, 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 you got it all. <laughs> yeah that was great. That's yeah. really good. Oh, Tim, what's new, man? We haven't seen you on this show in about a year. Right, I'm. Whoa, where do you want to start? Well, I told you earlier, don't ask me about bicycles, but yeah, I got I wanna, a new I, one. I want to hear all about that. Bike. Yeah. You did. I did. Um, so, are you able to like? For I don't know how many friends of the pot are not in Indiana right now, but it is snowy, icy. You're obviously not riding your bike. Oh yeah, I I well, since I'm doing the pod, I'm not riding. But yeah. today would have been perfect. You would have yeah. ridden in the in the cold weather and the yeah. Snow I and ride ice to about twenty degrees. Do okay. you wear do you wear like special yeah, thermal I, clothing I have, and stuff? Yeah, there's a company like a, scuba suit. a company called Pactimo. Did you hear that I said that, Pactimo people? Uh, that was a plug, guys. <laughs> yeah, we don't get paid uh, for that. We're going yeah, okay, okay. okay. to bleep that out. They make fabulous gear huh. that goes to 40 below for cycling. Now, wow. I don't ride that low, but... That's too much. I, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's too cold. Yeah. I, I have the gear now, so I ride. Yeah. Do you wear goggles when you ride in the cold? Like, I don't know how I would no. keep my eyelashes from freezing <laughs> shut. Well, I have... Really yeah. special sunglasses that protect my eyes, but they're for all weather. I, the only part of me that ever gets cold are my cheeks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, on my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the clarification. Family friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is the new bike a, a Schwinn? <laughs> Wait a, wait, a wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's, the, defi where's the defibrillator? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so tell us, the... I mean, we probably won't know a single thing about the bike itself. How much does it weigh? Like, we don't need to know brands. How much does the bike weigh? Okay, question. to be perfectly honest. And the, is it in grams? The new, I don't know it in grams, yeah. but the new bike is a little heavier than my other bike. Uh -huh. By th It's three pounds heavier, but Whoa. it's on purpose. And it weighs 16 pounds. My other bike is 13, uh -huh. but the old bike is a climbing bike, mm. and the new bike is an endurance bike. Gotcha. So, so you'll keep the old bike. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> old bike is amazing. It's real twitchy and fast. It's a Trek Madone. Twitchy is a good quality in a cycle? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It responsive. responsive. It's really responsive. And you Twitchy. can <laughs> fly up yeah. the big hills. With yeah. it. But, but the other bike, the new one, it's a, do you want to know what kind it is? Yeah, or? of course. It's a Pinarella Dogma X. Now, is this the one, like you've Dogma been talking X. about getting a new bike for a long time. I've is been this thinking the one that's about it a long time. It's been in your dreams for, yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and interestingly, Pinarello did not make the X until just a few months ago. And they flew the owner of the bike shop that I ride with and I'm very close to family with. And the owner, while there, rode this new bike. 
and thought it was the most fabulous he was bike he'd ever ridden. And he brought one back in my size. Oh, just for you. Wow. Well, not a hundred percent, but yeah. they had my, you know, I was in their heart when they, yeah. were <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and then they said, just take it and ride it. Yeah. That's like giving you a Ferrari. Yeah, said, just, just drive it, it around spin. for a few days, and and you were hooked. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a right away fabulous. <laughs> it's I don't even know how to talk about it, but you can I can ride it for hours, and I'm I'm so comfortable on mm. it, and yeah. because it's an endurance bike, it's a little heavier because it's made for riding distance fast yeah. without wearing you. It takes a lot of the shock out of the road. Huh. That's what I need. A bike that takes a lot of the shock. Yeah, I need. I need a bike that kind of does the work for me. You need an e-bike. You need need a a motorcycle. (laughs) You need like cruiser handlebars and like a padded seat. Yeah, Yeah. like a yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I've been going to the gym and bike, like doing the cycling. Really? Yeah. So I thought you were just a treadmill walker. Nope, I've upgraded. (laughs) There, I have talked to you about cycling. Yeah, Tim wants to get me on a bike, but I can only go for like. Very short amounts. Of time. <laughs> Wait, what is? I feel like you hesitated because it's too embarrassing. Yeah, to I was say. gonna say I can only go for like eleven minutes. And then <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take a breather. Yeah, that maybe if you had a a yeah. Pinarello yeah, Gorilla Extreme. What was it? Called? What was it called? It Pinarello uh-huh. Dogma. Dogma X. Yeah, not an F. Need one of those. An F no, is the, the, the bike. You know what I think? The Dogma F. Garbage. That's what I think. Trash. No, I ju- need to- no, the Dogma F has <laughs> Guys, won the. Knock this off. <laughs> has, that's the bike that's won the Tour de France for the last like here's, here's five oh, wow. out of the last one of years, one yeah. of my favorite things about humans is that we just get so into things. Like yeah. we just like yeah. every there are just little micro communities passionate about the like yeah right. Yeah. Disc golf. There's a yeah. thriving disc golf community. It's yeah, like, I don't is, know. We just get into things. There is a things. grace that yeah. has always, when I meet somebody that I say, well, what do you do in your spare time? And they say disc golf. Yeah. I, I don't have a, I think what? That's what I always <laughs> think. Yeah. But it's fine. They all seem to, yeah. and it's a big deal. It's a hardcore. Yeah. If you're into it, yeah. you're yeah. really, really into it. And my, my brother-in-law, Jeff don't McCracken, like Jeff McCracken, who's on your team, Tyler, right. is legitimately really good at it. I yeah. think we're all going to be like, he yeah, we knew, we knew Jeff we knew McCracken when. when. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. I have my own set of discs for disc golf and I've never played. <laughs> Why do you have your own set of Somebody discs? gave them to me for Christmas one year yeah. and uh, I've never, I've like barely thrown <laughs> a frisbee. Are they still in the... Discs. Uh-huh. Speaking of discs I've never played, I was cleaning out my basement. <laughs> yeah. And I found the seven first Bob Dylan records that were given to me when I got married. Oh my goodness! Oh. Un what was that on your registry, your wedding registry? <laughs> no, <laughs> who, no. Who would give you seven albums? Paul Puntony was his name, and he gave me seven the first seven Dylan albums You're unopened. Hitting. No, that's what my wedding gift was. Did you look up to see if they were worth anything? No. I don't care. I actually he opened them. I did. Actually, did I did. I, I did open them because. Did you spin them? No, I, I don't have. I don't have a record player that I, I do. Want. I care. Well, we'll talk. You might about not it. care, but I care. We'll find. We'll find them. Again, I like put I them said, in boxes. I'm storing them. We get so, into yeah. things. We get into <laughs> things. Those are the discs that I've never played. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Don't throw those at uh, targets, please. Yeah. 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 Uh, guys, what's new with you? I don't know, man. It's been a week. <laughs> yeah. I I am uh so I, I mentioned that Liv and I are going to Greece 
later this year. So we've been thinking about that. I also, I think I mentioned I I started kickboxing and she's a trainer there to talk about that. So those two things have come together now because as we were watching videos of like which Greek islands to visit and stuff like that, we both determined we've got to be hot by August. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't go to a Greek island yeah. and, and can't have a you know, can't so go without a Greek I now have a new gotta goal. I gotta, be, I gotta have six pack <laughs> abs. I'm sure that's possible by August, right? Yeah, How hard could it possibly yeah, be? Just don't eat or something. Yeah, that's it. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's the only thing that's new is that like I'm working out more and like, right. I'm like really, really enjoying it. But I've never heard you complain of being sore. Like I yeah, know never. that you've been ramping yeah. up your workouts, but yeah, I've yeah. never heard you complain of being sore. I, I'm sore occasionally because it does change every week, you know, mm. which workouts you do. So it's like, you never know when it's going to be like, wow, my, my mm. triceps are killing today, but it's, <laughs> it's fine. You never know. Yeah. You'd never know. <laughs> you would never know. And it's yeah. perfect for me because I love variety. I love changing things up and the adventure of like, oh, and now I have to do like 70 squats while pushing yeah. weights into the air every time I stand up. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty great. Good. That's all. That's what's new. I'm enjoying that. And Liv yeah. is like thriving as a as a kickboxing coach. She goes around and just like tells corrects people's form, tells them what to do, pulls out pads and they that do does little sound sparring great. things. It's just like you're you're in a violent environment and you get to tell people what to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. It's a good community. I'm it's like I'm a enjoying it. Calculated violence. It's it's yeah. violence with caution and giant pads, pads. on your hands. Yes, yeah. Exactly. So. Violence with caution. That's, that's <laughs> what it should kind. be called. <clears throat> Marin, anything new with you? Um, not a whole lot. Just, you know, digging that plant-based life. Yeah. How's that going? <laughs> you brought that up a couple weeks ago. I did. Barry, you showed me a tofu press. Showed her the way. Yeah. That has changed my tofu life. Great. So I think Great. I made my best, best batch of tofu yet nice. last night. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm still the only person into it in oh, my home. They're so wrong. It's probably, it's probably not going to so stick. So what, 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 um, if somebody wanted to get into this, Barry's been into this for years. Like, he, I don't know that he's like a good, like here's entry, entry level, uh, perspective, but you, you just started. So like, if somebody's like, I've been considering plant-based, where do I start? What would you, what do you, what would you well, say? Well, for me, I'm starting with just trying and I've been successful up to this point, but trying to swap like one meal a day with something that is plant focused. And that way I can enjoy my burger for dinner if I want to have a burger for dinner, but I just don't want to have a lot of meat for lunch and dinner. Yeah. I just feel better that way. I yeah. feel lighter. Everything feels better. So that could be a peanut butter and jelly for lunch or, you know, instead of a turkey sandwich. I think so. I would think so. Peanut butter, jelly. As what? (laughs) Plant-based lunch. Yeah. What else would it be? I'm looking at berry fruit. This is great news. It's fruit. It's nut or no, legumes. It's... Yeah, I've it's been making wheat. I mean, giant pots of like veggie soup, but it's got beans in it and all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you got to get your protein from a bunch I, of sources. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything at lunchtime. Okay. So it's it's been good so far. But that tofu press, man. Yeah. Hey, this is uh, this is great life. news because I I had a New Year's resolution. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna substitute one meal a week. A week. A week. A week of just like. <laughs> <laughs> but. What I've been doing is because I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'll just go to Smoothie King. Okay, <laughs> so, so I get like a yeah. te- technically plant based. It is so if peanut butter and jelly counts. Sure. Yeah, great. One meal a week. Yeah. Wow. What do you think that's gonna get you? Nothing. I just wanted to set a goal and I'm gonna meet it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Wow. Um, guys, I I I uh, went to a President's Day themed birthday party the other day. Yes. Yes, you did. I heard yeah. about that. And everybody had to dress up as presidents. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Ben Lender. It's his birthday today. It's happy birthday, uh, Ben. But it was a president's... 
That's for his birthday. <laughs> uh, it was a President's Day birthday party, and um, you don't know, really know what to expect, but the invitation said everybody must dress up as a president. Yes. Right? All right. So, obviously, the biggest fear is you're going to be the only person. Marin, you wouldn't have any idea what I'm, talking, what I'm about to say, but you're the only person dressed up in an environment where people said they would dress up. Stop it. And uh, Stop it. nobody else is dressed up. So, that's, <laughs> he, that's the obvious fear. He's dissing me right now. <laughs> um, so... Lauren and I got like a Abraham Lincoln beard and a <laughs> Richard Nixon mask. Wait, did, so like, I was going to ask, did the women have to dress up like the president well, that as was, well? That's what I was wondering. So Lauren did. She dressed up as Abraham Lincoln, but she just had like an Abraham Lincoln beard. Okay. And I got one of those like bank robber uh, Richard, Nixon, Richard mask. Nixon masks. Which is horrifying looking. So it's both, it's easy to take off in case nobody else is dressed up. Oh, I see. All right. Yeah. So we walk in <laughs> and pretty much everybody just like to go along with the theme, there's like, Somebody wearing just like a, a flag t- pin. T-shirt with a flag on it or uh, somebody has like a I voted sticker <laughs> or whatever. And Ben Linder is dressed up <laughs> head to toe. <laughs> Head to toe in Thomas Jefferson. Wow. Period accurate. Yeah. Was it like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Had this been incredible. like a dream of his? I don't know. Like it was his party. His and birthday. So he, was, he went all out. Wow. So. Like I guess wig and everything? Wig. He had a wig. Uh, <laughs> he had one of those like triangle hats. I don't know what they're called. I need to see Tricorns. Tricorns. Uh, he had knickers on. Oh, wow. my goodness. Tall socks. Do you have shoes with buckles? Um, no buckles, but mm. they were those shoes. They were like the square toed <laughs> okay. shoes and like a, I don't know, wool vest <laughs> and a jacket. And he just, he was Thomas Jefferson in a room full of people. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you want to know? Do you want to know the best Thomas Jefferson fun fact? Yeah, of course. All right. So Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, you know, were were kind of rivals. They're political rivals yeah. in the early days. Well, they both died on the exact same day. Whoa. And do you know what day it was? The July Fourth of July. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. God bless America. That's how our founding fathers That's incredible. did it. But he anyway. didn't feel too out of place because at least Lauren and you were. Yeah, we presidential. Okay. Yeah, we yes. had we had <laughs> some costumes. presidential things on. Yeah, I don't know what you were wearing. I you, c- you called it a Richard Nixon mask, but I saw the picture of it, and you looked like it was just like a melting like horror <laughs> horror film. Yeah, it, it came from Amazon, so it was like all folded, and the, we didn't uh, open it enough to like let it air out enough time, so it was like all <laughs> so kind of mangled. Creases everywhere. Yeah, it yeah. was horrifying. Excellent. That's nice. Oh, that's funny. So that's what's new with me. That's pretty oh. funny. Happy birthday, um, Ben. Yeah, happy birthday, For ben. me, I, I celebrate You're President's up boy. I celebrate President's Day in my own way, quietly at home with my family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in your heart. In my heart. Yeah. 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 You keep those presidents alive That's right. in your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right, guys. We are in week two of our sermon series called Witness, where we're spending time looking at the life of Jesus through those who followed him. And Tim, you're here because you gave the message this past weekend about John the Baptist. Right. And uh, so if you remember, we kind of start the sermon portion of our podcast off with you kind of, or the speaker kind of sharing the big idea behind the the sermon. So if you could crystallize what the big idea of your sermon was, um, yeah, let's, let's well, do that. Well, the biggest idea was that what we, what I learned about, what I hoped everyone would learn about Jesus was that his purposes were to fulfill the desires of his father and that our expectations of not only who he is or what he wants us doing in our lives will go back to those purposes. 
that so often we have expectations of what God is supposed to do for us, and yet it may have nothing, what we want may have absolutely nothing to do with what he wants to do in the world. And it's so clear. I, I painted a picture of John the Baptist having expectations on him. I never really talked too deeply about that, but there were huge expectations on him from the beginning of his life. Mm. And I have no idea whether, uh, my opinion is that his parents died while he was young mm. because he would have never gone away from his family as an only child and lived in the wilderness in his 20s, probably. Mm-hmm if his parents were still living. So they had expectations for him, which I have no idea whether the neighborhood felt like him going out like into the wilderness met their expectations. I don't know that. But he clearly was a man of his own culture. And so he had to have been impacted at some level by the notions in the general population about what the Messiah would do. And so I had... I spoke about his expectations of Jesus. He didn't, there's just that one sentence of question, but Jesus's answer clearly is contrary to that, which most people would have expected. Mm, Right. If he was going to live up to their expectations. And, and then that's why I talked about what would have let John the Baptist down about Jesus these things would have, and I could have talked more about that, but I, I wanted to keep that section without going into too deep a detail because we don't know whether I'm right on that or not, mm. but it just seems like it could be. And that was really easy to go into. What is it that we expect out of our relationship with G, with God through Jesus that may be way off base? Yeah, mm. Because we are essentially... It, because almost every complaint I hear about God is that people have expectations yeah. of him mm. that he's not meeting. Mm-hmm. And nobody really ever says, well, do you know what he's really interested in doing? And it doesn't have anything to do with making you a tap dancer on a Broadway show. <laughs> you know, and so when things yeah. fail. You must have heard that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't well, just, make me a tap dancer Marin, on a Broadway Marin show. said that to you and confidence. And you weren't supposed to say that on the pod. You know, but you see what I'm saying? And I just wanted people to, because I knew what the three questions were, and I wanted to make them think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say anything so obvious that they'd write down what I said. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I felt the only way I could make you think about it is if I was pretty vulnerable about mm-hmm. some stuff. That, yeah. And I could have gone, I could have named names <laughs> with each one of the sure. things. Well, that's what this is for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <okay. laughs> but, but I named things that were true about what it is to yeah. be a pastor. It's interesting to hear you say that you were hoping to, to make the people think, because that's what I would use to describe this message. It was thought provoking. I never thought about the, the Nazarite, uh, implication. What would it have meant for Jesus to have been a Nazarene, and what would have John's expectations of another fellow Nazarene be? Right. I never thought about that before. It was thought provoking. Yeah. Well, honestly, I had more people say to me yesterday after the service, "I've heard that passage preached a thousand times, and nobody ever said anything like what you said." Mm. Yeah. 
And I had a couple of guys that are pat were pastors who thanked me for giving. They said, and he said, I'm gonna. One guy said, and he said, dear friend and a sweet man. And so there's nothing. There was no um, animus in his com mm -hmm. comment. He said. As a former pastor, it's really difficult for me to ever learn much when I hear a sermon. Mm -hmm. And he said, this one from the beginning was completely new to me. Mm. And I don't, mm. I don't know why. It just seems like that's where the passage should take us. That's just what I've always felt. But I felt um, honored mm -hmm. to get to bring a message that if it makes people think about what are they expecting God to do for them in the process of, of living while God has already told us what we're supposed to be doing, mm. you know, and the probably the most profound thing for me was the, the thing about Jesus by giving the blind their sight was raising them from the dead yeah. in the minds of the local people. That is so huge because we are called to do things which actually raise the dead. We have to think about that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And and the more we talk about it, the more opportunities we're going to see to raise the dead in our world. I think mm -hmm. it's a mm -hmm. what a gift to us that we've been entrusted with rebirth. Right. And so that's what I was thinking about with it. Mm. Yeah. And it is it is profound too. If if John the Baptist or the baptizer, if he really was expecting some kind of military overthrow of Rome, it, on one hand you'd think, oh well, Jesus just saying, well the poor or whatever the blind can see or all that stuff might seem like a letdown because it would be right. like, oh man, I was hoping for. But in another sense, he's saying the dead are coming back to life. That is so much beyond right. a military overthrow of Rome. This is this is the actual kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. And that that is a really profound thing for him to say, yeah. Well, he, didn't he say, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit yeah. and with fire. Yeah. yeah, And fire always implies purification. Purification, and, yeah. yeah. And that's not, those are fighting words. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And um, I... I put those two uh, examples of what Jesus said that were opposed to fighting words for the Romans, mm -hmm. but I could have put a whole bunch more. <laughs> sure. I, and I thought, I, th I kept thinking, I think I'm right about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, what your message helped me just think about more deeply is, uh, you know, John the Baptist usually is, in, in my thinking at least, is always just the prelude to Jesus. He's like the yeah. setup guy and then Jesus and we forget yeah. all about him. But it helped me to kind of dwell in him for a little while and just think about the think about the the camel haired shirt and the the eating locusts and the kind of character he was becoming and the reputation he was right. building. And I do think like I, I sometimes want to call him John the Baptizer because the Baptist makes us think that he was like part of a denomination. Well but, somebody asked me that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like but it, the fact that you even talked about the significance of baptism in that sense, in that culture, like there's a guy out in the wilderness and he's baptizing Jewish people. Right. Like that. Yeah, that, that was crazy. He's building this reputation for himself. And so, yeah, it just helped to flesh that out. All of a sudden he's a, I'm thinking of him out there for years and, and all that might've come along. He had a following. I mean, it's just, right. it's just really interesting to dig more deeply into him. So thank you for that. Well, 
you're well, I guess you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, you have to think about the fact that every, everybody was coming to him because he was somehow presenting something to them that they resonated with. Right. And most of what he resonated with, I think, with them was that something huge was coming and everything was going to change. Yeah. Now it did, but it did in a way that nobody expected. Right. And it's interesting when Paul goes to Ephesus. Ephesus, yes. He says to the Jews that he meets there, do you know about the Messiah? They say, we're still following. Yeah. John, John the John's Baptist. Yeah. Right. yeah. And and it's interesting too that almost every th- mention of John the Baptist in the Gospel of John, which is the guy who ended up living in Ephesus at the right. end of his life, is John the Baptist saying, It's not me. Yeah. It's Jesus. It's not me. He says it over and over. Right. Everything that John says is like that. Well, it's probably because he's writing the book of John in Ephesus, and there are tons of people there who <laughs> yeah. they don't want anything to do with Jesus, yeah. but they're all about John the Baptist. That's right. And so it's just this long stretch. I mean, mm. we're talking 60 years out, you know, out after yeah. John the Baptist, and they're still talking about him. Yeah. Do you think it's the message of like a government overthrow that made him so popular. I I would think that he would be kind of a weirdo, maybe even unsavory character out there eating locusts and wild honey and wearing camel hair and calling people to repentance. That's not a popular message. Why did he gain such a following? The rebellious. No, I think, I think it's because he was fitting into a category in the Jewish imagination that hadn't been, around for a long, long time, time, that of the prophet mm. in the wilderness. Mm. He was, for these guys, the next Isaiah, the mm-hmm. next Jeremiah, the next Amos. And so I, the only reason I don't think we have his sayings written down like one of those old books is that he didn't, is that Jesus came along and the story was kind of well past what he had to say. I bet he could have had, we could have had the the prophet of John or the prophet John, right. you know, had it just been that, mm. but it, it happened so sequ- sequentially uh, mm-hmm. quickly. I don't know. What do you think? I think that uh, I agree with you on that. And I also think we have to remember that the angel said he'll come in the power of a prophet like Elijah. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and look at Elijah's life and then Elisha's life, Elijah's life mirrors John the Baptist. It's a, gr- it's a preaching call to repentance, a big, a big thing. Then you get Elisha, who we don't pay a whole lot of attention to, right. and he does almost every miracle that Jesus does. Right. It's almost one-to-one. Mm. Mm. And so I think that that there is there was something so recognizable in John the Baptist that resonated with Jews about Elisha, or Elijah, mm-hmm. that they responded to him because they were thinking, I mean, that was what everybody thought, that Elijah had to come back and he was going to settle all kinds of stuff and he was going to do this and do that, and they were up for it. Yeah. I mean, it's why they some of the Jesus' disciples ask him, or or he asked them, well, who, who do people say I am? Yeah. And they say, they say, well, some say you're Elijah. Elijah. Yeah, because yeah. clearly people were waiting for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, someone stopped me in the lobby, shout out to Michelle, and asked a question for us to discuss. Uh, she's like, she as soon as I walked in, she was like, hey, I, I have something for the podcast I need you to to bring up. And so I'm going to ask that question. What I think this is the question she asked. What, what was the significance of him choosing the wilderness for his place of ministry versus the city? The city or the temple or 
like what you might expect somebody who is a preacher of that stat stature. Like why, why did he choose the wilderness versus kind of what you would expect? I mean, I have an answer. Do you want to go? <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. Ahead. I'd like to hear your answer. I think it's because of the prophecy of Isaiah that, that one, that behold, the one will, will be in the, in the wilderness, wilderness preparing yeah. the way for the Lord. I think again, it's that prophetic imagination of the one who is to come. Everybody knew that Elijah's going to come back and prepare the way for Yahweh to establish his kingdom and the Messiah to be on the throne yeah. forever and the son of man to be able to rule side by side with the father. So like, yeah, that's my answer. I think it's that. That was going to be my answer. I was going <laughs> to say, cause it fits right in with Elijah, uh, with Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah. yeah. Isaiah. Like I know that the, in the history of Israel, like the wilderness is pretty significant. Oh yeah. And so I was wondering when she asked me that question, I was like, Oh, I wonder if it has anything with the significance of the location, like the time of testing and revelation and prophetic activity and mm. of the, the, you know, the people of Israel. I don't know. That space is between the Jordan river and Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that that's not the space where they were uh, wandering. Yeah. There is something about that space because of the Jordan and what it means. Something about that space that has resonance with the Jewish people. But I, I can't, I don't think yeah. it has to do with the wandering. The wilder, wilderness actually is any kind of scrubby land that can't be farmed. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And so it can be all kinds of terrain and spaces. Yeah. And, and symbolically in scripture, like the big overarching image is that there's the garden on the mountaintop garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And outside of the garden is the wilderness of sin of, of, you know, that's where de departure from the will of God. And so throughout the story, there are these encounters with God in the wilderness. And then the prophetic imagination, as you get into Isaiah and Jeremiah, is this, this dream, not of just the people going back to the garden and returning to Eden, but of the, of the, the waters of, of God's presence to water the wilderness and transform the whole wilderness into the garden. And so this imagination of new creation, mm -hmm. like all of it being subsumed by God's order. Yeah. So it's like being out in the wilderness, declaring that the Lord is coming is a way of saying the Lord from his garden is going mm -hmm. to water the earth and transform this wilderness into paradise. Exactly. And I don't know if you remember, but when I read the passage from Isaiah, oh, yeah. Isaiah 35, is that where Psalm 35, right? No, it was Isaiah oh, 35. Isaiah 35, you're right, you're right, you're right. I kept this, the verse that's after the healing about yeah. the waters, will, yes. the streams will flow in the wilderness yes. on purpose okay. for that very reason that mm -hmm. you're talking about. Because yeah. it's connected yeah. to the whole, yeah. the whole picture. So you said something interesting, and maybe this is a point of clarification, but you said something like the Jewish people weren't expecting a message of like repentance. And, uh, and so I was curious how the message of repentance and judgment kind of met the expectations that the Jewish people had of the Messiah. I don't think that it necessarily met their expectations. I think that they were of the opinion that First, John said something that made them feel guilty about the lifestyle they were living or whatever it was they were doing. And they had a clear notion that if you do the right things, you get blessed by God. And if you do the wrong things, you get cursed by God. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so 
if they've been doing the wrong things and the reason they're under Roman control and the reason their lives are under such weight is because they've been doing the wrong things, they're getting cursed. Let's stop that. And this is an action, repentance, to bring on God's blessing because we're going to live differently. Now, in the theological world, they there were those who felt that repentance was pretty much unnecessary for the individual because we all get into eternal life in the kingdom of God because we're Jewish. Why do I need to repent? Right. Why do I need to say that I'm sorry for that which I've done? It doesn't help me any in the long term, but it might help me in the lo- good luck world. <laughs> and so yeah. that's what they're thinking. Yeah. And it's interesting, you said that the baptism baptism as a practice was something that Gentiles would do to become Jewish. Right. So for a Jew to be baptized is a weird thing. It's a weird way of saying, like, as you said it, you're so twisted and out of the will of God that you're practically Gentile. Right. That's how they might have thought about it, right? right? To, to, to choose to be baptized. Right. Yeah. Particularly the highly religious people would have thought about it being a waste of time mm. because... I don't need to be born again or mm-hmm. born from above. Wow. You know, so. Why Why do you think his message was not more... Uh, Lovey-dovey. Well, mainstream, <laughs> I guess. Like, mm. you know, like he was hated and Herod hated him for things he said about Herod and his wife or something. Well, his brother's wife that his he stole. Wife. Yeah. 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 Uh, but he's out in the wilderness and people are gathering out there. Why wasn't it more, why wasn't his message of hope more mainstream or was it? Well, you mean like the locate, like why wasn't he preaching at the temple court like, or the temple gate? So like the people in the temple, were they just going out into the wilderness because they heard about John the Baptist or were there these wilderness people that were like, yeah, this is our guy. No, it's they're going out to him. So everybody who hears it is like, I got to go find this guy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's the talk of the town. And I, I mean, part of, I think, the idea of preparing the way for the Lord was not just, hey, everybody get ready to party. It was like, we need to prepare ourselves because right. the Lord's coming will bring with it the purifying fires and the earthquakes right. and the anyone who is standing against the will of God will be, you know, that was kind of the mindset. Mm-hmm. So preparing involved purification yeah. and re- repentance as a way of getting ready for the Lord to come. It was probably like a, I don't know, like a, in opposition to all the rituals that you would have to do at the temple or something. It was like, he's offering a direct way to connect with God, which is probably the the hopeful part, mm. you know, but, um, so John and Jesus were related. Yes. And so I try to think like last week, Marin, I, I had a question and actually Marin was like, I never thought about that. And it was, I don't know. I love it when I get to do, <laughs> I get to do it. all right. So John and Jesus are related. And when we read these stories, they're in their thirties, correct? Yeah. And so why did it take until their 30s until John was like, that's the Lamb of God? Like, did did he not know? Yeah, did he not grow up with his cousin? Yeah. Did he not know Jesus was who Jesus was before Jesus walked by? And he's like, hey, that guy right there, he's the Lamb of God. Or maybe it had not I been I mean, maybe there's no way, to, no way to know, but. Well, he didn't really, Jesus didn't reveal himself as as anybody until he was 30. Yeah. And 
my bet is that the only time they ever saw each other's family was when Jesus' family came to the temple in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Mm-hmm. Like camel hair boy showed up and <laughs> yeah, and we don't know when he started. Yeah, the right, yes. right. When did he become camel yeah. hair boy? Yeah. It just when when you were talking about how Jesus or John the Baptist was like sending his uh, disciples to Jesus, and they're like, "Are you the guy or not?" I feel like my question was, shouldn't John have already known for a mm. long time that he was the guy? Well, he yes, but. As he sat in prison, he was thinking about what Jesus was doing, and yeah, it, tripped, that was my point. Up. Yeah, yeah. It, didn't, it didn't meet up with what he expected was supposed to happen. Mm. And I wonder if he was surprised when the heavens open and the dove comes down, because he was told, I will reveal him to you, yeah. and this is how you're going to know. A mm. dove is going to come yeah. and rest on him. I wonder if he was like, you've been holding like, out on me. This guy? Yeah. yeah. My, My cousin, cousin Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. My cousin Josh, because, yeah. you know, Joshua, right? The yeah. name Josh Jesus, Christ? Yeshua. Anyway, Josh, you? But he does say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world before he baptizes him, right? Yep. So he makes that declaration before he sees the dove coming out of heaven. Um, I, I like to imagine that they did probably have long conversations about their destiny. I mean, it says that that John the Baptist, as a as a as a fetus, leapt in his yeah, mother's womb when he like, heard Mary's voice. Like something was going on here. I don't know. You you talk about you know John the Baptist being raised with the, all the stories of like, and this right. is who you'll be when you grow up, and all that. I'm sure the same thing was true for Jesus in some way, or maybe not. Maybe Mary and Joseph kept that closer to the vest because they didn't want to send Jesus off on some weird, mm. they didn't want him wearing camel hair and eating locusts. I don't know. So yeah. it's a good question. It's a really good question. Uh, John sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah or they needed to find someone else. Tim, you said that you weren't so sure that this had to do with John's doubt. Uh, what did you mean by that? Because everything, as I'm trying to prepare for the show, everything everybody says is like, yeah, he was doubting. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to look through no, the prism I, of that. I and think you said he it was, didn't really have to do I with that. I didn't want to lean into doubt because that's what everybody does. Yeah. <clears throat> I think he was still 100% convinced that he was leading the way for the Messiah who was going to come in the way that he expected it. Yeah. And his questions were more about, it's not like, do I need to doubt my faith in this Jesus. It's mm-hmm. just he he was he was thinking, I've got the right idea, but maybe Jesus is just not the because other people had come along. I mean, he, Jesus was not the only claimant to being the Messiah. Right. Yeah. And so I just didn't see him so much as like doubt like we think about it. Right. Like is this whole thing wrong? Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that he might have thought he might have doubted if you want to use that word is that he'd made the claim about Jesus being the Messiah and he maybe need to shift to somebody else mm-hmm. and look for somebody else because mm-hmm. he knew he was right about what he was saying was leading up to the Messiah. Yeah. And there's no question about that. He said, or should we be expecting someone else or should we be looking for somebody else? So I, I don't think he was doubting God or the message or the, the timing or anything like that. It was just maybe I got the guy wrong and I need to, my disciples now need to go out and talk to some of these other claimants. Yeah. yeah. And I, even if it isn't 
doubt in the strict literal sense. I mean, I could imagine being in prison is a desperate place to be. Like you said, it's like, this is a dungeon. This is not a nice, you know, cell. I mean, this is a miserable place to be. He probably sees the writing on the wall. He knows that he's not going to be leaving this place alive. And, and he maybe just needs a little bit of assurance and comfort to just like, can you just, I just need to know. I got to know before this all is over. Am I really, was all this for nothing or, or are you really Right. The guy. And hmm. yeah. Yeah. Was he imagining that Jesus was out there already baptizing people with fire? Did he want that, that report oh. to come back to him? Hmm. What's he doing? Yeah. Is he doing the stuff that I said he would do? Yeah. Or maybe like, I know I'm not going to see it with my own eyes, but can you just tell me what are you going to mm-hmm. do? Are you, are you right. going to, are you going to be the guy? Is, is it going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think his question says about faith? Just like in general, faith in God in general. To me, it says faith is big enough to accommodate questions. If it's not doubt, it's it's questions. Like, you, I, I totally loved how you said I don't I don't necessarily believe or buy that it was all doubt. And it's okay, in my opinion, it's okay to doubt sometimes or question or whatever. But faith can be so much bigger because John never. He, you said he you don't. There's no record of him ever really wavering from that's right. the Lamb of God. And when you said that, I was like, oh man, faith can be big enough to accommodate my questions about mm. whether uh frustrations or I think you put it, it trip trip ups or something. Right. Right. Um so yeah, what 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 do you think John's question to Jesus says about faith, like mm. our faith in general? Maybe well, uncertainty is a better word than doubt. Yep. Like uncertainty is like it's not that I question whether it's legit. I just don't I'm not entirely certain. I'm like, like I'm not a hundred percent there to know for sure that's where the question's coming yeah. from. Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. What no, you say? I agree with that. I would say that I think when we have doubt, it's when we doubt the truth of the answers to the questions. That's what people do. They doubt. Did you catch that? They mm-hmm. doubt the answers to the questions yeah. that they have. That's where like doubt critical comes of it in. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think our faith is big enough and it's grounded in enough, um, reality uh, of all sorts that it that the questions can be answered mm-hmm. and there's no fear of the questions for those yeah. of us who are yeah are grounded in the faith i think it's just big enough to most of the time when people come to me and say my college age son is he's a deep thinker and he's got all these questions yeah. and then i find out what the questions are the parents should have been grounded enough in the faith to yeah, be able to handle those me. questions. Yeah. yeah. And and now the kid may doubt the answer because they just don't want to believe mm-hmm. that that's possibly reality. But I think we have answers that actually speak to the soul if we're if we're deeply connected to what is true about our faith. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I mean you talked about the, some of the challenges of being in this role as a pastor. And there are times when like, I am fully confident that I've been called to this, but there are times where even in that confidence, I'm like, God, are you sure? Like, are you, is this really what you want? Like, am I on the right path here? That, that, I don't know that that necessarily like somehow undermines the confidence in the call 
or the willingness to go, but it does raise those uncertainties of like, this is really hard, you know? Yeah. Anyway. I said in the first hour and I didn't in the second hour Mm. that I said at the end of that section where I talked about it, I said, you all don't know how many times I've said to my wife. And then I said, and she's not here, so I can tell you that. <laughs> Is that why you didn't say it in the second hour? Yeah, because oh. she was there. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I, I, that, I got an, a text from someone who was very worried about me when I said, because I said that. Mm. I said, you don't know how many times I have said to Jennifer, I hope we're right about this Jesus thing, because if we're dead wrong about it, we have wasted our lives. Mm. And I don't say that flippantly. And there's yeah. never been a question in my heart that we're not right about this Jesus thing. Mm. But sometimes it's just ugly. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if we're wrong about Jesus, wh- why am I putting <laughs> up with what are we? What are we doing what here? What am I yeah. doing? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I don't have... I don't have a shade of questioning the mm. rightness of my my deep belief in the truth about Jesus. Mm. But sometimes the pain of serving him is such that I just have to remind myself that um it how do I say that I say we better be right about it because I'm actually saying I know we're right about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not any, but somebody that was there was very concerned about it. I got a text between the hours mm. and it was a gen, generous and concern that maybe I was questioning the whole thing and I mm. could, and we had a great back and forth mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm, I'm not questioning at all. Yeah. It's just that some, there's so much prosperity of life out there about what it is to follow Jesus. Right. And if that's what's really going on, then maybe I've missed the boat because there's sure. a lot of non-prosperity in, right. and you know, in the... Yeah, if the if the goal for me was to live a life where my, my happiness and overall like mental health was the primary right. aim, I would, there. I'd, be, I'd be doing woodworking <laughs> or anything else. I'd be traveling, I'd yeah. be gardening all day. It's, it's... Yeah, it's it is a sacrifice. I think more than ever being in full-time ministry is helps me understand why the apostle Paul would say would refer to his own ministry as sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Like what an intense way to talk about, but that's it 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 makes sense when you understand like the the ultimate willingness. I am so convinced of what of who he is and yep. what it like the truth of the gospel that I'm willing to give anything because of course I would. Why right. wouldn't I? That's kind of, you know, isn't well, that lo- what, uh, isn't that what Jesus kind of the heart behind his response? It's like, if you're going to, if you're able to see past your own expectations or your own questions or whatever, you're going to be contented or blessed. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. I love the end of it because yeah. he's giving him an opportunity to move into that. Mm. Yeah. By what he sees and hears, mm-hmm. he's just reminding him of what's important to God, and Jesus is going to be about that because I really don't know that God cares all that much about what kind of political system we live under as long as we're following Him. Mm-hmm. Now I know that that's not a popular sta- statement, right. but right. in today's world, but I, it has to be true because of the, because yeah. there are an awful lot of people that have followed Jesus with all their heart and lived under great oppression. Yeah due to the government. 
when you talk about the last thing he says, you're mean that the blessed is the one who doesn't fall away on account of me, that line. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're listening to the Bible Project podcast right now, they are doing a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount all year. It's like verse by verse. It's so cool. And they did the whole, a whole thing on that word blessed is like, cause it's the beginning of the whole sermon on the Mount. And that was a passage in Matthew that you quoted there. And I, I looked it up and it is Makarios. It's the same word. Same word. And the way that they describe it is the good life belongs to mm. instead of just blessed are those the mm. good life. Like, let me describe to you what, uh, what the good life looks like mm-hmm. the poor in spirit. That's the good life. <laughs> you know, it's like really, really subversive. And, and so what I didn't realize until I heard you read that again is that, Oh yeah. What he's saying there, it's another beatitude. beatitude mm-hmm. yeah. The good life belongs to those right. who don't fall away on account of me. And I think that again, we always think of it in terms of him kind of scolding John, like don't, don't, fall away on account of me, you know, cause you're going to be, you want to be blessed. Don't fall away. But now I realize, like the whole sermon on the Mount, he's speaking to people who are poor of spirit and, and grieving and mourning and like just bedraggled and like the, uh, the, the dregs of society. And he's saying the good life belongs to you. The good life belongs to you. Mm-hmm. I think he's saying to John, the good life belongs to you. Cause you're not falling away right. on account of me. So it's completely inverted the way that I think about that whole interaction. It's, it's really cool. It's interesting to go back and read the Beatitudes of the common world at the time, too. If you go back and read Jewish writings, sure. it's exactly the, they're exactly the opposite. They right. start out the same way, but right. but you will you yeah. will you are blessed if you are wealthy. You are blessed if your yeah. children live long, happy lives. Right. You are blessed and it's yeah, yeah. exactly the opposite of what Jesus says. Right. So, so it would have I'm sure that John had to think about it. Mm-hmm. But he, I'm sure he was um, versed in the Old Testament enough to yeah. be able to make the connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do wonder that. Jesus's answer is so specific, and yeah, he's hearkening to Old Testament prophecy. But why didn't he just say, "I'm the guy"? Yeah, <laughs> right. I yeah. am. I am yeah. he. Yeah. I think to answer your question, Tyler, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I agree that this passage tells us we can ask questions. It also tells us he's not going to be offended by our questions, but he's going to give us an answer that may not come to us in the way that yeah. we would desire. Or when we want it. Right. Like yeah. I asked you a real simple question. Yeah. Are you the guy? Yeah. Simple mm. yes or no. Simple yes or no yeah, close, would close suffice, ended. but he, he obviously um, tells it in a prophetic way right. and makes you think and is thought provoking yeah. and always goes back to his father's intent for the world. And you have to know his father's yeah. intent in order to in order to decipher that he is the guy, you have to know his father's intent for the world. Mm. Oh, yeah, he is uh, hearing, whatever, giving the blind their sight. And, mm. uh, yeah, the deaf can hear again. Okay, he must be the guy. Mm. I think uh, one of the big reasons that so many people fall away from their faith is because they don't know their father's intent for the world. Mm. And yeah. and so they are confused about what the purpose of it all, the whole thing is when they don't become a tap dancer on Broadway. Yes. Yeah. God must not be real because he didn't answer my, my prayer. Yeah. I also think, I also wonder if John the Baptist really was living his whole life, echoing the words of Isaiah in his head of like, I'm the one in the wilderness saying, prepare the way for the Lord. That's me. I'm the guy he's quoting Isaiah. Like that's his life, his life verse. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this is who I am. Yeah. Then when Jesus also quotes Isaiah and says, this is what's happening right now. Right. He's also in a way echoing the words of like, this is what's to come and it's happening now. Right. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I think prophet, pro- 
prophecy geeks back then would have prophecy would have really they would have known like I oh yeah, yeah you're gonna quote yeah. that passage I know the whole context and I know exactly <laughs> yeah. what you're saying so you yeah. think John the Baptist was comforted by these words I maybe I, I, think I think so, so. Mm-hmm. I think he would have been like okay yep that is yep. that is that is what the prophet said would happen and <laughs> I don't know I don't know. I think that's why we don't get a response. Hmm. But we do get from Jesus saying that he's the greatest man who's ever lived. Yeah. And yeah, Jesus wasn't worried about him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And he made uh, a, and he made a mean cricket stew. <laughs> plant-based. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of plant-based. Um, so you, you touched on it, but what happened to John's disciples after he died? Were they were they integrated into Christian culture or some, like, I'm sure some were and I'm sure some did not follow. We somebody went to Ephesus and preached John the Baptist, yeah. you yeah. know, and so uh, I think they they divided in the same way that the rest of the world did. They said yes to this and then mm-hmm. they said no because because Jesus was crucified, right. And that and, would be proof positive that he, was, he was not the Messiah. Messiah. Oh, so yeah. we gotta we gotta start this yeah. back up. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, there were a lot of Jewish people living in Ephesus. In fact, I don't know if I mentioned this when I got back from it, but there's actually some graffiti on the stone at the, at the, um, library. It doesn't matter of Celsius. There's on the, <laughs> on the steps, you can see a little, a little menorah carved into the rock from the first century AD. Whoa. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. That's all. There were Jewish Jeez. people there and yeah. presumably of, they all, of- they all would have had different sects and, yeah. and, cool followers and I'm in this camp and I'm in that camp. Right. Anyway, cool followers. But the book of John was written to the Ephesians. Well, yeah. well it was written in Ephesus probably. Yeah. Um, because everybody else had died and they had the other three gospels mm-hmm. and John had a lot of information that nobody else had talked about. And so probably was encouraged to just write down his thoughts before he died. And he was, writing down the things. That's why it's so different. Mm -hmm. And he's just writing down what he felt that the church needed or what he'd been telling people all along, but they'd never written it down. It seems like he went out of his way to emphasize Christ Jesus over that of John the Baptist. Absolutely. I mean, it's like everywhere. If you, every time John the Baptist shows up in the gospel of John, he said, it's not me, it's him. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, and I think that's purposed Mm. because of the influence of John the Baptist in In Ephesus. Ephesus. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Anything else on John, John the Baptist before we wrap up? I'm watching Chosen now. Yeah. I mean, is he's, he in he's, that? he's kind of in it. Like he's in it. At least I've only. So last week I hadn't watched any chosen. <laughs> like I'm, none at all. Now you're no. it. And now I'm like almost end of season two. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. So I'm just like blasting right. Deep dive. It. Yeah. Uh, he's he's kind of in it. Like in the first season a little bit. I don't know if he's coming back. But how do you yeah. feel about it? I I really like it, and I I probably I don't know that I would have watched it had I not known that we're going through what we're going through as a church. Um just doing like deep dives on Jesus's followers and stuff. But I, I recommend it for, for people of grace right now. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Like some of the creative choices mm-hmm. that they, that they take or make, like uh, I was telling, I think I was telling Barry when I was watching it, like you never think 
you never think what were the uh, I don't even know the right term, but wedding caterers thinking uh-huh. when they ran out of wine yeah. at yeah. the wedding. Like the <laughs> wedding caterers cool were probably freaking out and they're trying to like spread the wine out super thin to make sure it lasts. But before the wedding even started, they were like, we're going to run out. Like we know we don't have enough yeah. <laughs> for all this. And then I don't, I don't know. It's like creative choices like that that you just don't think mm-hmm. of. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Uh, where do we go next? What are we doing? Oh man, guys, I'm, this one will be different and, and interesting. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to look at this, the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the more that I've prepared for it and been thinking about it, I think it's going to be really thought provoking. Maybe it is for me already, but just to consider this woman who was closer, literally closer to Jesus than any other human could possibly be. She bore him in her womb. Right. Yeah. And and yet, as time goes on and the glimpses that we see of her encounters with Jesus, he, his, as his sort of divinity and true character as Christ becomes more and more apparent, there's this growing chasm between the two of them that happens. And yet, who is there at the cross? Mm-hmm. Not Peter, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not the other disciples, but yeah. his mother is standing yeah. right there watching him die. And it's just to think about the faith that Mary had. It's really profound. So mm. I think it'll be, it'll definitely be a thought, uh, uh, right. a head scratcher. So Good. my heart kind of just broke even in that description you just gave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, get ready because right. mom. the moms yeah. in the room are going to have a hard one with the, and I uh. kind of probably shouldn't be the one preaching it, oh. but whatever. Here we go. <laughs> are you going to say whether she has more children or whether Jesus is her only child? Ooh. Oh, good question. I'm, not, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, will. I might get into it because I, I think it's really fascinating what has happened with Mary, like in the Catholic church and mm-hmm. how, how, she, how like, because of the, the cascade of like, well, if Jesus is sinless, then that means that he couldn't have been born by a sinful woman. So she was sinless too. And so it's like, you, it ends mm-hmm. up developing this. And then now this is too much. This is too much. And then how she kind of in some cultures, like in Ephesus, even she, the worship of Mary, she slotted in really nicely to the way that they thought of Artemis. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly there became a, a Mary cult in a way that, that ended up influenced. Anyway, sorry, guys, you got me going. I'm sure that's you'll, what's you'll next. Cover it all Mary, <laughs> I've got 30 minutes. I saw a program on the Catholic TV show one uh-huh. time. It was an hour and it was just a table full of Mariologists. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> I will say that I could follow them, but I had no idea that anybody spent that much time thinking about this stuff. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, all right. We'll look forward to that. Tim, thank you so much for, oh, yeah. for being with us today. Yeah, it was, it was great, it was great having you back, and uh, hopefully you'll be back uh, pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Marin, will you uh, please do the honors and send us out? Sure thing. Do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 